and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. seated in heavenly places with the Lord. Hallelujah. I'd, I'd also like to invite my wife or to take the children to the nursery. And I want to preach a message today, which I believe in our church, we're all Holy Ghost radical revivalists. So I'm preaching to the choir here, but you just amen. So all the people who are watching on television that don't get this type of preaching could finally hear it. Amen. And brother, uh, brother Israel, let's try and go back to at least with the blue sister in the blue, uh, Dilma, Dilma, right? Next. Yeah. At least there, at least there. Good. The producer of the television channel told me that you must have more room in front of you than you have behind you. So that's why. Amen. So if we're ready to begin, let's pray. Father, we ask you for the anointed upon me and these lips of clay to speak forth your word with accurate excellency and boldness. I pray, Father God, that you would not only minister to those watching, to those listening on podcasts, those on television across Tulsa and the nation or on social media, but even everybody here, Father God. And I just thank you for the power, for the supernatural power and manifestation of the Spirit to speak to each and every person that, Father God, no matter what background they're from, what country they're from, what age they are, what they've learned, that, Holy Spirit, you speak revelation, that, Father, I speak as the oracles of God, the divine answer to the questions in the hearts of your children. And I pray that you would answer questions today concerning their hearts, their lives, their situations. And I thank you, Father God, for those that are under the apostolic covering of this ministry, that they have breakthrough 
Father God, that they have spiritual growth, Father God, that they have transformation, Father God, and that the, the potential that is put inside of them at the time, Father God, that they, when they were thought about and created in the heavenlies, in, in the eternal realm, before they were even placed in their mother's wombs, that those things would be drawn out and brought to birth and to fruition and, and developed in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for these things today. Amen. I want to address this issue today, uh, and I believe and I pray that everyone will be blessed. But I do want to address this issue today for the American church. And I want to start here, and the, and the title of this is called, uh, well, I'm t the title of it is Bringing Christ Back to Christianity. Bringing Christ back to Christianity. And the subject we're dealing with is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of Jesus. And let me just say that the word and the, the name uh, Messiah, can you say with me Messiah? Messiah is called the Christ. It is called, he is called the Christ in the New Testament. The Greek is Christos. And Christos in the Greek, and thank God I no longer have Greek members of my church because they corrected me every single Sunday. Hallelujah. We're praying that none come here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every Sunday, the Greeks in my church corrected my Greek. It was quite rough. Amen. But Christos, and that is translated actually from the Hebrew and there are no Jews in this church yet. Hallelujah. So no one can correct me on my Hebrew either. But you know what's so funny? After you actually learn some Greek and Hebrew from Jewish people and from Greek people, then you hear some famous pastor on TV totally destroy the, trend, the, 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 trend, the, the pronunciation of the word. It's quite funny. But Christos is translated in the Hebrew as Mashiach. Mashiach. Messiah is the English word for Mashiach. And there is a segment of real goofy Christians that their entire Christianity is based upon the proper Hebrew pronunciations. And, and, and there's another uh, segment in that. They break off into several groups, and they even argue if they're pronouncing the Hebrew right. I don't know if you guys came across these people in America, but they're quite 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 hilarious to me and some say no it's Yehovah and Yehovah and Yehovah and, and Mashiach and and they use all these Hebrew words and they don't know what they're saying it's funny to me and you know and I guess I, I've been through it because I was telling some I don't know who I was telling but I have a friend named Rabbi Daniel Rosen he's a messianic rabbi in Jerusalem and was I telling you that yeah and and he came to my church and we had Shabbat and it was so anointed and so awesome. And he had this uh, other Jewish guy from Israel, and he was singing all these songs. You know, um, I don't even remember the songs, you know. Like, oh, you know, and we had a, a girl playing the Arhu. And she's playing this thing, and, and, there's, and then he's saying prayers in Hebrew with the challah bread, and, and he had on his kippah, and it was so cool, I tried to do it. You know, and I put on my shawl, I put on my kippah, I, I tried to blow the shofar, I looked like, haven't anybody seen Juanita Bynum's edition trying to blow the shofar? <gasps> Jesus name, I rebuke this. That's how I looked. It was quite embarrassing. 
So I, I just called up Rabbi, Rabbi Daniel and I said, Rabbi, I said, I tried to do Shabbat at my church and it's not going really good. I'm, I'm just, it just don't feel natural. And he laughed. He started laughing. He's like, no, 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 brother, brother. He talks like um, Count Dracula from Transylvania. He's like, brother, precious brother. No, 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 no. You're not Jewish. Pray like you pray. You don't try and do like we do. He says, that's okay. Your anointing is in your personality. It's in you. And I was like, really? He said, yeah. I said, oh, thank God. I, I threw away my Hebrew prayers and stuff. And, you know, so yeah, I, I stopped trying to fake it. But, you know, so I understand their heart. You know, they maybe went to some kind of messianic synagogue. And, you know, I remember when we had a guy named Paul Wilbur. He came to our church in Chicago. And I was skipping around like, a, like Peter Pan. I was doing flips and spins and dancing, you know. And it just comes on you when you go to Israel. It comes on you when you get in that anointing. But trying to do it, and that's not your culture, is a bit... You told me asinine is not a bad word, right? It's a bit asinine, amen. It's ridiculous, amen. So I'm not trying to get into semantics about uh, Mashiach or Messiah or Christos. I'm just stating an important fact that I need you to understand is that Christ is not Jesus' last name. There was no Mary Christ and Joseph Christ and Jesus Christ. and It wasn't the Christ family that lives over at 1206 Luther Drive. It's not his last name. Amen. Christ means Messiah, Hebrew Mashiach. And what Mashiach means, what Messiah literally means, is it means the anointed one. The anointed one. So we get here to 1 John chapter 1 in verse 19 through 20. We read here in the King James, it says, Now, this was John's testimony. Speaking of John the Baptist. Somebody say John the Baptist. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. And I know there's somebody watching me on TV right now with a kippah on. And you're from Nigeria. God bless you. Just be yourself. Amen. We don't have to get off into these pronouncing the Hebrew words and dressing like we're Jews. Amen. God has anointed who you are. And you don't have to be anything else to be more loved by God. Some people find out they have 6% Jew in them because they did some kind of DNA test. And you think you're more loved by God than you were when you thought you were Polish. Well, listen, you're not any more loved by God based upon your ethnicity. Amen? So now here's John the Baptist. And they come to him and they ask him, and the Jewish leaders approach him, and the Levites approach him, and it says in verse 20 that he didn't fail to confess, but he confessed freely. He was quick to admit that I am not the anointed one. I am not the anointed one. And let's just say I am not the anointed one. Because truly God's anointing was upon John. But he was not the anointed one. Let's go down to verse 23. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. And he said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. If you've been to Israel, you'll find out that the wilderness is not like a jungle, but the wilderness actually is a desert. Most of Israel is desert. 
It's like, feels like Tulsa in Israel. 103 degrees, hot. Most of his desert. So he was in the desert. And he was crying out, make straight the way of the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent to question him, they said, why then do you baptize if you are not the anointed one? Nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Let's go down to verse 29. It says the next day, after he dealt with all that mess, he goes back to his ministry. And the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Notice it's not sins plural. It's sin singular, meaning that he dealt with the whole thing. Amen. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said that there's somebody coming after me who surpasses me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason, say but the reason, but the reason that I came baptizing with water that is that he might be revealed to Israel. Isn't that something that here, John, if you look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 80, the Bible says that John, from the time that he was born until the time that he began to preach and baptize, that he has spent his whole life in the deserts. He has spent his whole life in the wilderness. And you, if you, those of you that were in my house in the July meetings in my home, I talked about John the Baptist who started off preaching in the wilderness. And as he began to preach in the wilderness, it says there were a few people, then many people, then the famous people came. After the famous people, People came, the Bible says, then the religious leaders came. And John's response to those uh, religious leaders and to those famous people when they came was not, I have a seat in the front row for you, and I have special uh, filtered expensive water, and we're going to take you to the green room and welcome you, and, you know, God bless you, Oprah, and there's many ways of Jesus. And that's not what John did. John said, who told you vipers to slither down here? That's how John dealt with the famous and the rich and the religious leaders that came to him. Now we want to roll out the red carpet. But John proved his worth, proved his testimony. And the Bible says there's been no greater since John. And all the prophets that have lived, John has been the greatest. And his response to the wealthy, to the rich, to the powerful, and to the religious leaders was, Who told you snakes to slither down here? Someone preaches like that now, we think that, well, they haven't perfected the love walk and, you know, I don't know about that, Pastor. He's kind of harsh. That's because you're lukewarm, not you. I'm saying you on TV watching. Amen. That's all right. He come down here, we'll get you on fire. Amen. The reason that I've spent my whole life in the wilderness seemingly preaching to nobody, the reason I've looked like a wild man out here in the wilderness and baptizing people and screaming in the desert, the reason I'm doing what seems insignificant, that seems like it's a going nowhere ministry, the reason why I'm here is because I am waiting for that Messiah to come. Amen. I'm sure that there's many people who thought, why is this guy wasting his time out there in the wilderness preaching? But the reason he did it was so he could usher in 
what God was about to do. Amen. You know, I was meditating on this and I was thinking if Tulsa was any smaller, I would definitely not have come. It was like that's that 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 just small enough that I was able to be forced by God to come. But if it was any smaller, I wouldn't come. And I think to myself, why, God, did you bring me to this seemingly small city? I'm from Chicago. And then I spent the last 10 years in Beijing. Before that, I was in Montreal. Beijing, we had 24 million people. This is a small town to me. You have to understand that. But the reason that I'm here is not because what I'm doing is so significant, but what I'm doing is I'm just preparing the way for what God wants to do, what God is about to do. Somebody say amen. So he goes on here in verse 32, he, and it says, John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Now, this is very significant because the Spirit of God in past times had come upon the prophets. The Spirit would come upon the prophets and they would prophesy. He would come upon the men of God and they would be moved by the Spirit. But on this one, the Spirit came down and remained. Amen. God is looking for a generation that doesn't want just a visitation, but that wants a habitation. A generation of people that doesn't say we will want you to come and visit us for 90 minutes and then let us go because I want to go do my own thing. But he wants to find a people in a place that this house can be a habitation, that this life can be a habitation. The Bible even says, oh Babylon, how great have you fallen and you become the habitation of devils. Well, this city we heard, we used to be a habitation of God. Now it's become a habitation of devils. Can't go two blocks without a marijuana devil. Sign up. I was praying last night. I didn't say it, but I was praying. And Billy Brim recently had come into the city. She's a famous intercessor. Didn't she work for Copeland years ago? Oh, Hagen. She was Hagen's intercessor, correct. Hagen's intercessor. And she came into the city, I guess, last time. And when she drove into the city, she wept and cried because she said the presence of God was gone. The Old Testament picture of that was Ichabod. The glory has departed. She said you used to come into the city, and as you would come into the Tulsa County limits, you could feel the presence of God. And she wept as she drove into the city and said that that presence has left. I venture to say it's become a habitation of devils, transgender bathrooms in the elementary schools, homosexuality at the highest per capita in the nation. Parents feed their children Ritalin like baby milk, while churches want to have a 90-minute in-and-out, you know, service, or pastors have no anointing, so they feel the harder they slap you on the head, the more charismatic they appear. We've become a habitation of devils. John gave this testimony. He said the spirit of God remained upon him. Amen. You know, many ministries have had a a move of God. And it fell apart. It's amazing how Pastor Rodney, my pastor, 
how he's had a mo- many moves of God in Singapore, great revival, 30,000 people in the stadium. You know, the Brownsville revival happened. You know, it was, it was Randy, and I'm trying to get that book called The, the Great Awakening by Pastor Randy to give away to everybody. But, you know, he prayed for Randy Clark. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He went up to, to Toronto, and he prayed for uh, John Arnott at the airport. Church revival broke out there. Heidi Baker got touched in that meeting. She became a great revivalist. Then uh, Brother John Kilpatrick went up to Toronto, and he got prayed for and blessed. And then the Holy Spirit touched his wife, uh, uh, John Kilpatrick said he's not much of a shaker. You know, he doesn't like, he's not one of those guys that falls down and shakes and cries much. But he said his wife was like, like her head was whipping around like one of those old, you know, manifestations of a, you know, and you know, and some of you guys seen that in the Pentecost, that when that Holy Ghost comes on them and their head begins to whip back and forth so hard that you think it's, a, I used to think it was a demon. But it's a, it's a type of manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And that happened to his wife. And then they went back. And then within a couple of weeks on Father's Day, the Great Brownsville Revival happened. Pastor Ronnie's been responsible for multiple revivals all around the world. And it's one of the few ministries that's still in revival. We don't want just a visitation that comes and goes. Evan Roberts had that great revival in Wales. Holy Spirit came down. Uh, I forgot how I forgot the exact number. Hundreds of thousands of people were saved in a few months, and then Mariah Chapel was dead after that. I've been to Mariah Chapel. I stood in the podium. I stood in the pulpit. I've walked the pews. I sat on the pews of the Roberts family because in that church you would be able to rent. You had rented your seats. So you like paid some money to the church and you got to pick your seats. And then when you came to church, nobody else could sit there. That's how they did it. And they even have, and in front of the uh, Evan Roberts Church, the Mariah Chapel, uh, and, and you know, Evan Roberts was the pre, the, the, the preliminary move of God to the Azusa Street Revival. It was William Seymour that wrote a letter to Evan Roberts, and he said, I heard about what's happening in the UK and in Wales. I want God to do that in America. And so Evan Roberts prayed for him, prayed for that letter, sent the letter back saying, we're praying for you. And it was after that that the 1906, May 15th, I believe, 1906 Azusa Street Revival happened. But that revival came and went six months, closed up. The Azusa Street Revival came and went and closed up as people stole the mailing list from William Seymour and, and it got politicized and they fought for the power and the Apostolic uh, Church of Jesus Christ, it was called something like, or Apostolic Tabernacle, closed down. Pastor Ronnie's ministry is one of the few ministries that still remains in revival after 40 years. That's amazing, Hallelujah. I heard about his recent meetings here in Millennial, how the power of God came down there in Millennial and people were being touched and somebody was trying to leave and the Holy Ghost came on them, knocked them down while he was trying to get to the parking lot. Hallelujah. That's amazing. The Spirit of God to come and remain on a ministry, to come and remain on a church, to come and remain on a life. We want to go, we just don't want a visitation. We need a habitation of God. Amen. And I believe the only thing they could compete with the habitation of devils, look at Portland, look at Seattle, look at Chicago. I'm from Chicago. I, I ran those streets. I shot at people. I was shot at multiple times. I, I was in that there in Chicago. I know how, how it is. Amen. Every weekend, 60 people shot a weekend. They call it Chirac, where I'm from. 
I lived in that. I believe the only antidote for a habitation of devils is a habitation of God. Amen. Verse 33. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. Who, who, who do you suppose that is? That's God, the Father. The one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So this word, the anointed one, or Messiah, still is not a clear translation. So I want to clear this up a little bit. What does it mean to be the Messiah? What does it mean to be the anointed one? The, the word to anoint means to rub on. To anoint something is to, be, is to rub on something. The farmers would take their sheep and they would take oil, olive oil, and they would anoint their sheep with olive oil because when they would put the anoint a rub on this olive oil, it would keep the flies off of the sheep. A prophetic gesture, once again, as we know, the Lucifer, the devil, is called the Lord of the Flies, Beelzebub. And when you have an anointing on you, the flies can't come around you. Amen. Hallelujah. The devil's... A, I, people always tell me these testimonies about how the devil came in their house and climbed on them. I'm like, man, the devil wouldn't dare come to my house. I've been praying for him to come. I want to take him and tie him up by his toes. Hallelujah. Amen. I sit by my bed, holding my Bible, praying in tongues, and I'll help the devil come try to sit on me. I'm like, whoo, I got something for him. Hallelujah. He should be more afraid of you than you're afraid of him. I'm looking for the devil. Where could I find him and cast him out? Give him a black eye. Amen. The devil came and sat on me. He just sit on the devil. Let me tell you about how I sat on the demon-possessed person. We had a boy come. His parents were from Gabon. And I got to be careful because we're on TV. But this, let's just say that his parents were diplomats in Gabon. And so the diplomat, the father, called my church up because they were going to the, you know, we were a small underground church. And they were going to the official mega church in the city, which is the legal church. And so they brought their son to that church for deliverance. Because the son had lost his mind. His son was from Gabon, maybe 24 years old. He started listening to Rick Ross and, you know, Little Wayne and all these guys. And he joined some kind of uh, gang in Gabon called the Illuminati or something. And basically they're wannabe, wannabe Illuminati, whatever. They listen to hip-hop, smoke weed, and, and they think that there's some kind of whatever. But they also mix witchcraft with it. So the father went to his church, and they said, oh, he has a demon? Oh, we, we, can't, we don't do that here. You should call Bishop Joey. He does that. So they called my church to cast out the devil for their members. So basically, we were just like the ghostbusters for the city. Like, we were the church that had to deal with everybody's demons, and then they get set free, and then they go back to that old church. I don't, you know, where they felt comfortable. Amen. My church, you don't feel comfortable. I'll make you work, or you just won't like me. Amen. But I don't believe church is a spectator sport. 
I give everyone a job. Hallelujah. Even my kids. Man, that camera. You play, you vacuum, you go cast out that devil. You baptize. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe we all should be working for the Lord. Amen. So this devil comes and he's demon possessed. But his parents know that if they tell him we're going to bring you to a pastor for prayer, they know he won't come. So what they told them is uh, they said, we're going to bring you and see our church was underground. But the reason we were able to rent a place is we kind of we had an English training school so we could use the license to rent the hotel, rent the rooms. So they said, we're going to bring you to this English training school because they help students apply for scholarships and for universities. So you could go to the university. So they tricked him to bring him to my office. But when he, they pulled up to the I was on the seventh floor. And so when when they pulled up in the taxi in front of my house, the sister got out of the car, and then he started to get out of the car, and he started freaking out. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not getting out of the car. I'm not getting out of the car. And they're like, come on, get out of the car. Come on. Come on. You got to go. We got to go apply for your application for the school. Come on. The, the boss is waiting for you. And he's like, I'm not going up there. It's a trap. It's a trap. There's a man of God up there. There's a man of God up there. The devil knew. So they called me up. They said, oh, Pastor, I don't know what to do. My brother knows that you're a man of God. He knows, you know, that this is a trap. H how does he know? I said, yeah, the devil knows me. I should have warned you. The devil knows me. I said, just get him up here. So they tried to get him up here. They couldn't. So I said, all right, I'm, I'm coming down. So I walk. I come down the elevator. I walk out the front door, and he sees me and starts screaming, ah, the man of God, the man of God. He starts screaming, the man of God. And I was like, all right, Jesus, you know, let's do this. You know, what's going to happen? So I walk up to the taxi, and I'm like, come on up. We want to talk to you. You know, we're going to pray for you. Come on up. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going up. I'm not going up. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And he's telling the taxi, go, 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 go. So I jump in the car with him. So now he's stuck next to me in the taxi. So his sister jumps in the front, and he's like, take me home. Take me home. Take me home. So we all go in the taxi taking him home and he is so angry in the car I don't want to start I don't want to manifest and like whack the driver and then we all get in an accident so I'm just trying to be cool praying the Holy Spirit quietly and he's swearing F, F. I mean he's saying every swear word you could imagine and he's just sitting there like swearing 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 and I'm like you know all right and the driver's Chinese so he don't know what he's saying so he's cursing and swearing the whole way there. So we get to the house, and he tries to take off. So he gets out of the car, and he doesn't start to go upstairs. He tries to take off. And his dad, who's a diplomat, a high-level diplomat, his dad's like, no, go upstairs, go upstairs. So we get upstairs finally. We had to wrestle him to get into the house. So we, we get upstairs finally. He goes in, and then I walk in, and they sit me down on the sofa. They bring me some snacks and fruits and tea, and they're like, all right, well, we want to explain to you what's happening. We want you to pray for him. And the son tries to run. So he tries to take off and run, and I jump in front of him, and I block him. So then he's wrestling, trying to get past me, and then he, uh, he, he, he tries to go around me, and he gets halfway out the door, and I take my butt, and I slam the door like this, close with my butt. So now he's stuck between the door and the hallway, and I got my butt up against the door. And I said, listen, I said, if you don't sit down and pray for you, I'm going to sit on you and cast that devil out. And he looked at me, he's like, all right, he didn't want me to sit on him, you know. 
We were able to sit him down. We began to pray for him. And the young boy was set free by the power of God. Amen. Amen. That's the when I learned how demonic some of this music was. You know? Amen? But the devil thought I was going to sit on him. Hallelujah. But the devil should be afraid of you. You shouldn't be afraid of the enemy. He should be afraid of you. Amen? Hallelujah. The evangelical mega pastors, they mock Pentecostals. And I've been in a pastor's conference when the, these pastors would get up and they would say, we're going to teach you know how to create a theologically sound sermon and we're going to teach you how to preach a good message, not stupid stuff like the anointing. And they mock that. They mock how we teach and preach on the anointing. And the reason I showed you these verses is because I want to show you here that the anointing of the Holy Ghost is not some side doctrine of the fringe Pentecostal charismatic wackos. That the anointing is a central message of the book of John, of Matthew, Mark, Luke. The anointing is the central message of God. That God would raise up somebody who is the spirit of God would rub and be upon and anoint. And they would remain. And that that person would change the world. The anointing is the central message we want to hide the anointing. We don't want to talk about the anointing. We feel like the anointing is some, you know, silly fringe message. And it is the central message of the church is the anointed one and his anointing. And his anointing still removes burdens. His anointing still destroys yokes. That's why there's no more anointing in our songs. Amen. I remember the old gospel group. You might remember Elder Lori. They say, I think it was called Men of Standard. And they had a song called Anoint My Song. Do you remember that song, Anoint My Song? Let my song take prostitutes off the corner. Let my song set the drug addicts free. We've been singing too long without the anointing, preaching without the anointing, ushering without the anointing, doing business without the anointing, and now to the point where we even want to do church without the anointing. If the anointed one and his anointing is the central message of the Bible, shouldn't it be in most our sermons? Actually, most of our Christian walk centers around understanding the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is not just for preaching. It's not just for singing in church. But the anointing is something to be lived in. Something that should be remaining. It should be something in your business. I told you, I put oil on myself before I sing stupid Chinese songs. And I rub that anointing on. And I get on and I sing that dumb songs. You know, they want me to sing about, you know, It's a song about how in my hometown we have trees and mountains and we have beautiful water. And everybody's friendly in my hometown. And I sing these stupid songs. And people are getting saved and touched by the Holy Spirit. And I'm not even preaching about Jesus. But I expect the anointing to be on my singing. Amen. I get up and do, you know, some kind of comedy skit. I expect the anointing to be on that comedy skit. Amen. It's an anointing. 
We have a million, uh, excuse me, a video right now. When I was talking at Rodney's church, I wasn't preaching at all. He just asked me to share a story, but there was an anointing on it. It was so funny. 23 million people have seen it. It went viral in one week. It went to 17 million in a week. Now, 23 million people have seen it. And I read all the comments. They think I'm some guy named Ralphie May. I never heard of Ralphie May. I don't know who you know Ralphie May. They think I'm Ralphie May, just, and I think it's just because we're both fat. I don't know. But they think I'm this guy named Ralphie May. But they, people are commenting, sinners. They said, I was reading, the, you should read the comments. You go on there and put newest, just read them. And it says, like, I hate church. I think pastors are all crooks. But this guy I love. This guy is so funny. I tried to go past this, and I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, my God. What guy, what's his name? Does he have a church? I want to be a Christian. This is what the comments are saying. I didn't say anything about Jesus. I wasn't preaching. I was just telling a story with the anointing. Amen. I brush my teeth anointed. I eat my cereal anointed. I'm anointed. And you're anointed. The only difference between somebody who walks in the anointing that's saved and someone who doesn't walk in the anointing who's saved is one person is aware of it. You can only walk in what you're aware of. You can only walk in what you have faith in. Amen. It's a fact, Jack. Amen. The burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Isaiah 10.27. Look at it. You guys are Pentecostals. You should know it. But I'm saying you look at it on TV. You're watching me. Baptist brother with your keeper. Hallelujah. Isaiah 10.27. Says it shall come to pass in that day. That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, and his yoke from off thy neck. Excuse me, and the yoke from off the neck, and the yoke from off, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And those of you who are reading a nearly inspired version (NIV) or a not inspired version (NIV), it says because of the fatness. But that fatness is not talking about, you know, all this love handles I have. That's, that's talking about the oil, the fat from the oil. It's talking about the oil, the fatness of the oil. Amen. The anointing. Hallelujah. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Another definition for the anointing, which is my favorite, is God's ability to come on your inability. God's ability to come on your inability to do what only God can do. I truly believe you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And that doesn't mean that I believe you could just jump out the window and fly. That's stupid. But I mean everything within the realm of human endeavor, I believe that you could accomplish under the anointing. If they ask you to, to, you know, to speak Mandarin, I believe you could learn to speak Mandarin. If they ask you to learn Photoshop, I believe I've taken jobs plenty of times in areas where I didn't know nothing. And I just took the job and learned it. Hallelujah. I mean, we are the YouTube generation. What can't you learn on YouTube? If you're dumb, you're dumb by choice. You can speak French, Hebrew. You don't have to have any money. Just have an internet connection. You don't have internet. Just go to Starbucks and use theirs. Amen. 
You choose to be ignorant in 2020. Amen. But with the anointing, you could do I could run a dog company. Hallelujah. I could, I could bake cake. I could do anything that God tells me to do. Amen. Especially if you offer me some money, honey. When I was in Bible college, I didn't, there was no jobs because it was in a cornfield. I was in Columbus, Ohio. I cut hair. I never cut hair in my life. I took all kinds of side jobs. And I, it didn't look that good, but I told him, oh, brother, this is the new style. I, I'm telling you, this is what everybody, where are you from? Arkansas? No, no. See, I'm from Chicago. Trust me. I know. We're about 10 years ahead of you, brother. That is, your girlfriend's going to, she's going to be blown away. That's why I used to tell them, you know, amen. I learned to cut some hair. Hallelujah. I never back down from an opportunity that God gives me because I lean on the anointing. Hallelujah. Amen. I sing like a horse. I do not sing good. And they asked me to sing on TV for 600 million people. I said, well, let's, let's do it. Hallelujah. They had me in the studio. I was so bad. My singing was so bad in the studio that I had to spend 12 hours trying to sing one line. Finally, they just had me. They finally had me on the music video and me lip singing with somebody else singing behind me. I, was, I did a Milli Vanilli. Hallelujah. Amen. And they played my video all over TV. Hallelujah. Amen. But if God gives you the opportunity, you can do it. Hallelujah. Because we're not limited by our own abilities. We have supernatural ability to do what God, you know, I'm anointed to clean toilets. There's nobody who could clean a toilet as good as me. You could eat off my toilets. When I was in Bible college, I was the, everyone had to take turns cleaning, right? Mine was the best. Hallelujah. And when I was in Bible college, I had the model room. They took, when they would have the, the college days, they'd bring the students to look at the door. I had the model room. Because I believe to use the anointing in every single thing that I do. Amen. You can do it. Say you can do it. Zechariah chapter 4. Let's look at this here in Zechariah chapter 4. We look at a picture of the anointing. And this is my favorite here in Zechariah. Amen. We see a picture of the anointing here in Zechariah. And the golden candlesticks. Say golden candlesticks. Amen. Zechariah chapter 4. God gives us a prophetic picture. I love this picture. I asked an artist actually to paint something for me. I like to have on my wall of this image. Some of the stuff you see on the internet with this image is kind of cheesy. But I like to have a real beautiful painting of this. Prophetic image of Zechariah. Amen. Zechariah chapter 4, starting with verse 1. It says, the angel talked with me. He came again and he waked me. It's a man that waketh out of his sleep. And he said unto me, what seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold. And with it, a bowl upon the top of it, and seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, 
and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spoke to the angel and talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said to me, Knowest thou not what these be? And he said, No, my Lord. Verse 6, he said, And spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. If you recall Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. So when you're praying, when you're praying and you see a vision and you see something like uh, an image, oftentimes you have to understand that it is a word of the Lord. It is a prophetic message and you need to have interpretation to that revelation. So if you have a revelation, you must have interpretation for that revelation, for you to get what God is saying. What good is it you to have some goofy dream if you don't know what it means? It frustrates me. Oh, I had this dream. And you can tell me this long dream, and you have no idea what it means. You need to have interpretation for your revelation. Amen. So here he has a revelation. And now he's asking the Lord for interpretation. And he says, this vision is the word of the Lord. And the vision is saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And then the prophetic message begins to turn and say, who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? You see how it shifts Zerubbabel now is having this situation in his life and God speaks to him through this image and says the message of this image is that I'm going to do it and it's not going to be by your own capabilities, your own talents and your own power. And with that realization that it's not going to be by him but by the anointing, his disposition changes and that mountain that once seemed huge now became small in the eyes of Zerubbabel. Just like David. David didn't see a big Goliath. He saw a big loser. Am I right? Everybody else saw a big Goliath, but David saw a big loser. Because David understood that the battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's. So now his disposition changes. Once he gets a revelation of the anointing, this candlestick with the seven oils, those seven oils represent the seven spirits of God. They are the seven eyes of God. I'll show it to you. And the Bible says that the eyes of God are running to and fro, seeking whom he could use for his glory. So the seven spirits of God, the anointing, the eyes of God, are looking for people that he can manifest through. D.L. Moody said the world has yet to see a man fully yielded to God. Amen. So now that he has a revelation of the anointing, and what I'm saying to you, as we've stopped preaching on the anointing, we've made the anointing some kind of goofy side charismatic issue, and instead we want to preach about how, how, you know, how Stella got her groove back in these stupid sermons. We no longer have revelation on the anointing. And now the mountains are immovable to the point where we sing Christian songs Savior, you can move the mountain. 
Jesus never said ask him to move the mountain. He said you move the mountain. Well, we lost revelation. You don't call God down to move the mountain. He says you move the mountain. Amen. So now once he has the revelation on the anointing, the disposition changes. And I love these beautiful words. This is the same kind of talk that David said. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He said, he said verse 7 here. Who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt be made a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying grace, grace unto it. Grace means that the anointing is unearned. You didn't die for it. You didn't live for it. You didn't earn it. It's not because of how good you are. It's because of how good Jesus is. And when you have faith on what he's done, Peter said this. He said, silver and gold have I none such as I have. Give I thee in the name of Jesus. And when they began to praise him and they began to lift him up, he said, why do you look upon me like it's by my grace or my holiness? As long as you think that God's going to bless you based upon your own holiness, you short-circuit the anointing. But when you realize that all the blessing of heaven has come down because of one person and one person only, and you have faith in that person's name, the anointing breaks the yoke. Amen. Who art thou, great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt be made a plain. I love people who have faith talk. Hallelujah. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of this house, and his hands shall also finish it. You see, the devil thought that he was going to abort Zerubbabel's calling and assignment before his fullest potential was manifested. And God said, you started it, and you're going to finish it. And you're going to finish it by the anointing. For who hath despised the day of small things? Verse 10. For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet and the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro throughout the earth. The eyes of God are the seven spirits of God. The anointing, the spirit of might, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And the scripture lists out seven spirits of God in Isaiah. And these great anointings of God are looking for somebody who will cooperate and claim them and be used of God to manifest God's kingdom in this earth. That's what it says here. These seven candlesticks are the seven spirits of God, the eyes of the Lord. Verse 11. Then answered I and said to him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the gold, two golden pipes emptied the golden oil? Look at that again. Here comes the oil. The oil of the Spirit. And he answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? 
And he goes on to speak about the anointed ones who come and be raised up upon the earth. Amen. You are anointed ones. Being a Christian doesn't mean you go to church. You can sit in a donut shop. Doesn't make you a police officer. Amen. Hallelujah. In America, they should get that joke. I say that in China, they're like, huh? <laughs> you can sit in the Dunkin' Donuts with the Krispy Kreme, but don't make you a police officer. And you could be in church, it doesn't make you a Christian. You know? To be a Christian actually is to be a Christian. That means to be a little anointed one. I've seen pastors that can't even get people baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking tongues. I, mean, I told you Pastor Robert, it took him an hour to do that. At least he did it, though. He don't give up. I've been to mega churches, and the pastors can't even pray for people to speak in tongues. They just pray, and nothing happens. And I was 17 years old, and I thought... It would be wrong for me to push the pastor aside and get up there as a teenager and get the job done. But the fact is, I get the job done quickly. And that's a shame that a teenager is thinking that while the pastor can't produce any power. It's a shame. Amen. Hallelujah. Some people, I have one friend, he's convinced. He's convinced I won't tell you who he is because he'll probably come here one day. I have a friend who's convinced that when people fall down, that the pastors know some kind of like reflective, reflexive chiropractic trick. And that the pastors like hit them a certain way and like their, their, their like kind of knees go out and they fall down. And my, and my friend, he's a Pentecostal believer in the church of God. He thinks it's a trick. He's like, oh yeah, some pastors are really good at that trick. They're really good at it, you know. And he's a preacher. But he thinks that because nobody falls down when he prays. So he thinks he must not know the strategy. It's not a strategy. It's called knowing how to release the anointing. And we had a guy come in our church from Ghana. Nice guy. And he would do that, you know, slap you real hard on the head. And he would speak in tongues really loud and push people. And then people would, like, start going backwards as he'd push them. I don't know if you guys have seen that before. So he's pushing them. And they're, like, going backwards. And he's, like, following them, following them, following them. All the way out back to the, to the parking lot. I mean, at that point, I just want to put my foot behind him and just trip him. Amen. And I said to him, I said, Brother Isaac. Oh, I shouldn't have said his name. We're on TV. Hopefully he don't see this. I said, don't even touch them. Don't even touch them. Just pray. Put your hand up in front of them and pray. And then next week, and I said, and believe for the anointing. The next week, everyone he walked up to, just put his hand in front of him. Bam, bam, bam. And I looked, and I felt like a proud father. I taught this young man, you don't have to do it in the flesh, but you could do it by the anointing. Amen. So we have to learn how to move in the anointing of God. Trust me, the anointing does more than you pushing somebody on the floor. I'd venture to say if you push them, nothing will happen. But if the anointing touches them, something will happen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We still have a ways to go here on the seven spirits of God, but... Let's pray. If you want a note on the seven spirits of God, Isaiah 11. First three chapters list all seven spirits of God. Amen. I'm contending 
I am here because, and the River Church is here because, we are contending, not for us, but we are contending like John, that as he would be faithful to preach in the wilderness and baptize people with water, if he'd be faithful to do his part, it would be for the thing that's about to come, and that's the visitation of Jesus. We're contending and preaching in this city because we're believing, we're fulfilling a part like John did. Prepared his whole life in the desert. Raised in the desert. Hid in the desert. Preached in the desert. So that one day Jesus would come. He was to be a forerunner. And we're preaching here because we're lifting up our voice to be a forerunner for a move of God in this city. We're praying that once again, the Spirit of God will remain upon this city and that God will use this city. You know there's prophecies about this city. They've been prophesied for 70 years. For 70 years, prophecies gone across the city. Prophecies that led Brother Hagen here, that led Oral Roberts here, that led T.O. Osborne here. Those words that they once believed in and contended for. I believe those words are not dead. But they're here for us to pick up and contend for revival in America. Because America has a job to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. But first, we need to get America saved again. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet here. Preachers, we call you back to preaching the old-fashioned gospel. Hallelujah. The old-fashioned gospel that God saves, heals, and delivers. And you better believe the part of the gospel is that God provides, that God blesses, that God cares about the financial needs. It's not some kind of false prosperity gospel. It's called the full gospel. He cares about your finances. He cares about your health. He cares about your family. He cares about your deliverance. And he's made provisions for them all. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, in Jesus' name that we would once again begin to have faith in the anointing that abides in us, Father God. That we'd be aware and have faith in the anointing that abides in us, God. That we would expect to see the anointing on our jobs. That we'd expect to see the anointing in our careers. That we, hallelujah. You know, Elder Lord, there's a Holy Ghost chiropractor. Uh, no, massage therapist, excuse me, in Korea, South Korea. He's a Holy Ghost anointed massage therapist. And he has a healing ministry. And people come to him and he gives them a massage and they get healed in his massages. Korean guy, hallelujah. Amen. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit should be operating in every area of our life. I pray today that you would be dissatisfied in your jobs dissatisfied in your studies if you don't see the power of God, if you don't see the anointing, if you're not the number one in your company, if you're not the number one, if you don't see the favor of God, if you don't see the power of God, if you're not like a magnet attracting and drawing, that you would stir up that gift on the inside of you. That Jesus that's in the inside of you. I just pray that, I'd ask you today just to put your hands on your belly. 
And I ask you to put your hands in your belly. And ask you, the Heavenly Father, to begin to stir up the anointing on the inside of you. Stir up that anointing. Stir up that gift. The spies that went into Jericho said that we are grasshoppers in our own sight. So were we and they. Let me tell you, folks, you're not grasshoppers. You're giants. You're the greatest authority in your company. You are the highest authority in your company when you walk in as a spirit-filled believer. The only difference that separates you from another Christian is your awareness of the anointing on the inside of you. Stir up that anointing on the inside of your children. Let there be power in everything they do. Let them be, Father God, and do with power in everything that they do. I pray in Jesus' name. I want to pray for the business owners here. Karen, you're a business owner. Is there anybody else that has a business here? I want to pray for you. Come up here, Karen. I want to pray for the business owners here. And I pray... You know, if you're in business, you have to know your competition. You have to see who you're competing with. Competing with. Amen. You have to know your competition. And you, you got to size them up. You got to size up your competition. And you got to say, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I can be number one. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I understand for different reasons and different callings we might you might not want to have a national chain or something like that but you could be number one in the sphere that you feel that God wants you to dominate in you could be number one amen and that's just like the prophecy remember the prophecy I gave you I gave him this guy a word Samuel he's a realtor Chris is a realtor too but I gave him a word and I said what God's about to do in Samuel's life is going to be so significant that he'll be in Latin magazines for Latin entrepreneurs. And he'll be recognized. I ever saw in Latin magazine. Dilma, you're Latina, you know. The Latin magazines. You're Latina too, right, sister? Colombian also? Como estas? Amen. That he'll be recognized as one of the greatest Latin entrepreneurs of 20 whatever. Amen. Amen. I don't know if it's 2020 or whatever, but I just, that was the word of the Lord. You receive it. Amen. Amen. Just put, you know, get a nice haircut, a nice shirt, and be suave. Rico suave. Amen. Hallelujah. For the magazine pictures. Amen. But dominate in your space. I want to pray for the anointing of God. Let me just tell you real quick before I pray for you up front here. There is a lady in my church from Togo. And she braided hair. And I laid hands on her. And it was an interesting manifestation. She began to shake and vibrate. She fell down vibrating. And it was such a peculiar anointing I felt. I didn't know what it was because I never felt that before. But I realized afterwards it was an anointing for business success. And so within months, she became, she became the number one uh, salon for she does the braids like the braiding of the hairs she became number one in the city 
And all the ambassadors and the ambassador's wives came to her shop. And she was even asked to speak for some of the, uh, the diplomatic activities and events. And they asked her to do the hair for all the models for the fashion shows. So she became the, the, the shop that did all the hair for the fashion show models. And just God raised her up. And God made her connected with all the diplomat wives and ambassador's wives. And then we began a ministry with her to, to invite just the ambassadors of the city and the ambassador's wives and have a minister where we preach to them. And they're from Muslim countries and Christian countries and they're Catholics. And I said, get all the ambassadors together. Let's have a first class dinner with them for Christmas and give them gifts. And let's begin to pastor the ambassadors. All started from the barbershop. Who would think that a barbershop owner would be mentoring the diplomats who run the nations of the world? That's our God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I just lift up your hands and I'm going to pray for the anointing of business. That you'd just even be a testimony that the anointing is not just for preaching, but there's an anointing of God for business in Jesus' name. And we pray that it it be not well, it's already on you, but we pray it be multiplied. It be stirred up and it be multiplied. And I pray in Jesus' name for rapid increase, rapid increase, rapid expansion, need supply, capital flow, anointed wisdom and ideas, and a spirit of excellence in the name of Jesus. Receive that all. Torches of fire, I pray upon them in the name of Jesus. Torches of fire, I pray upon them in the name of Jesus. Torches of fire be upon them in the name of Jesus. It don't matter how long you've been doing it. It don't matter who you know, how much you have in capital. God will make you number one in your space. Number one in your space. unexpected finances for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that you may establish his covenant in the earth the anointing for business
Rachel. Sam's wife, Rachel, right? We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way, like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. When I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that can follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.